Some praise. He deserves it. Hallelujah. If I were to title this message anything, uh, it would probably be resurrection encounter, encounter resurrection, to really come face to face with it and meet it. For some of us, we've known of resurrection, right? Because we've gone to church, we visited church, we've heard of resurrection and all that. But for some of us, we really haven't met resurrection where we haven't just been impacted with it and we haven't been impacted because of Christ's resurrection. And I pray that today you encounter this resurrection that we discussed. Before we get into the message, I don't know, I was thinking about Easter. And uh, as I was thinking about Easter, I don't know about you guys, but what are some things that comes to your mind? I, I know you guys are going to be like, Jesus. And, but come on, seriously, what's some things that comes to your mind? Right? Bunnies, right? How many of you, does this thing come to mind? I, I, and, and I mean serious, like I feel... Almost in every single, when I was little, specifically when I was little and growing up, like every Easter, this showed up in some sort of basket. How many of you guys know about the chocolate bunny? Oh, no one? Five, okay, come on. How many of you guys, this, is, this was or still is very popular? My son didn't get, I wonder if my son got one this year. I'm not sure. I forgot if my wife put one in his basket, but, but hopefully not. How many of you got, <laughs> he's going to be wired. How many of you guys are very familiar with the chocolate bunny? Anyone in here? Right? There, there, there they are. There they are. They're kissing chocolate bunnies. I mean, how many, who here likes the chocolate bunny? Any in here? Anyone like it? Anyone like it? Some back there? I saw the first hand. You know, Matthew's hand was the first hand. Matthew, this is going to be your chocolate bunny. <laughs> promise you. Look, I tell you what. We're going to go like that. Just pass it back. Just go like that. Back all the way to Matthew. Palacios family. You got to deal with Matthew later. Chocolate overload. Yeah. Now, now, Matt, this is what I used to do. I used to eat a little bit in the morning, a little bit in the afternoon, a little bit in the evening. Enjoy the bunny for the next week or so. You know, don't just swallow it all. It's not good for your stomach. But you know what else I never, I never liked about Easter? How many of you guys know about this one? This is your Easter. How many of your Easter's involved? I can't stand these things. Oh. The peeps. These are definitely not my peeps. <laughs> don't like these things, never have. But I don't want to have any problems with any of you. Some of you like it, and I'm okay with that. What are they? Are they marshmallow? Yeah. yeah. There's no way this stuff is good for you. <laughs> no way. Let's read some of this stuff, huh? 32 grams of what? 110 calories. Yeah. Total carbohydrates, 28 grams. Okay, per bite. How many of you guys like the peeps? There's Adrian Brito back there. Your hand was the first one. Tito, just pass it back. Adrian's going to get some peeps. He's one of my students. Tomorrow, don't eat any of these tonight because tomorrow I won't deal with you. Um, I had more. Okay, that's good for now. I couldn't stand the peeps. I couldn't stand the chocolate bunnies. Uh, they just messed up my stomach. How many of you guys, your Easter can, was part of this? Just eggs? And you open up the eggs and jelly beans, right? Someone said, I hate those. I hate them. Okay, some of your kids today in the hunt are going home with some of this. Your kids are not going to sleep tonight. If you got kids in the back, they are not sleeping tonight. But we're very familiar with this right here, the, the eggs with the jelly beans. You know, after three of those jelly beans, that's it. They're all the same. They're all nasty. And it just feels like, now I don't know how many of you had the privilege to do this. And if you did, I'm sorry. 
And if any of you did this with this kind of individual, I mean, you're probably scarred for life. How many of you, when you think about Easter, this is what you think about? Ready? Huh? <laughs> the heck is that? <laughs> now, now, there's a lot of things wrong with this picture. I mean, there's too many to name. Okay? But that has got to be the ugliest. Is that even a bunny? It's got to be the ugliest. That poor girl is like traumatized. She will never sit on an Easter bunny again. <coughs> she will never celebrate Easter again. I don't know how many of you guys are reminded of that. Uh, hopefully, your Easter bunny looked a little something like this one, right? There you go. Yeah, all right, yeah, all right, whatever. Okay, yeah. That's a much cuter Easter bunny. I'll, I'll say that word cuter for what it means. It's cuter. Easter. But when you think about Easter, sorry for the graphics because the truth is this, guys. What I'm about to show you, and I've shown it before here, doesn't even scratch the surface of how Christ probably looked. It didn't even. He was unrecognizable. But when you think about Easter, how many of you guys think of this? Think of Christ. Christ crucified. You know, today we pause, and as that picture, and we'll take it off in a second, because I know some of us have a weak stomach, and you don't have to look at it. Try to look down. But when you pause and you think about Resurrection Sunday, there's no beating around the bush. This is a fact. This is a truth. Jesus Christ was crucified. And we can't run from that. We can't run and celebrate Resurrection without passing through Friday, without passing through this right here, which is Christ crucified. One person said it this way, the saddest day and the gladdest day in history happened three days apart from each other. One was the crucifixion of Christ, and the other one was the resurrection. And we could take it off if good. Amen. But, you know, I started to ask this question <coughs> as I was developing this. And I said, why is Easter so important to the Christian? Why is Resurrection Sunday so important? And I believe exactly what John Ortberg says. He said this, at the heart of Christian faith is the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's it. Our faith is in this right here. It is in the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And what makes this crucifixion, what makes the, the cross and what makes the mockery, the shame, the beating, the crown of thorns, the, the punching and the kicking, what makes Christ so impressive and so powerful in death and in the tomb? You saw that picture. But what makes this Christ and this death and this tomb so impressive? And it's this, it's that he was not held down. His movement did not die out. His name did not fizzle away. His miracles were not ceased from being talked about. His followers grew even more in boldness and in numbers. His message was spread to the ends of the earth. What makes Christ so impressive and so powerful in death and in this tomb is his resurrection. And that's the truth. It's the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection is the stamp. Calvary's power, the cross's power was approved and stamped through the resurrection. 
If it wasn't for the resurrection, what good was the death? If it wasn't for the resurrection, what good is the tomb? The resurrection is that stamp. And today we celebrate that our Christ reigns in glory and he lives forevermore. How many of you could say amen? He lives forevermore. You can give him praise for that. <laughs> lives forevermore. I want to jump into a passage in scripture maybe not all of us are familiar with. It's a very powerful passage as Paul is talking and he's writing to the church of Corinth. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to start off in verse 12. And Paul speaks of the resurrection. And as he begins to discuss the resurrection in verse 12, he says this. He says, but tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? Here's Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And when you, I'm going to stop right here in verse 12 because what is Paul talking about here? Because he's talking to some Christians and he's telling them, some of you are saying that there's no resurrection of the dead. But we preach that Christ rose from the dead. So why are you saying that? You see, some of the Corinthians, what was happening was they were denying that Jesus, they weren't denying that Jesus rose from the dead. They actually believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What was happening with the Corinthians was this, that they didn't necessarily believe that the followers of Christ, that they would generally be raised. And they were debating that and they were arguing that. And in this passage, Paul is emphasizing, I counted at least four times, where he's emphasizing in this text that those who deny the physical and bodily resurrection of believers also deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is going into in this scripture. That's what Paul is teaching. I'm going to read verse 13 through 17 just so you can see what I mean. He says this. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. If you're not going to believe in the resurrection for us believers, then don't even believe that Jesus resurrected. Then there's no resurrection in Christ either. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And then he says in verse 15, and we as apostles, we would all be lying about God. Can you imagine this? That's equivalent almost to me standing up here and saying, hey, some of us woke up early today. We, some of us beautified ourselves and we got here and, and we, we stood and worshiped together and now you're you're going to sit in the word together as we're sitting here together in the word. And, but in the midst of all this, I just throw out to you and I say, but all this stuff is fake. None of this stuff is real. I'm just lying about all these things. I'm just here to entertain you and reading some scriptures. I'm lying about God. <clears throat> if the resurrection is not true, then everything we preach is a lie and it's useless. Our faith is of no power and it's useless. And Paul says, as an, apostle, as an apostle, I'm lying to you about this God. Can you imagine what a waste of a day? Imagine living your life for Christ for, for one day, for one month, for one year, for 10 years, for 20 years. And at the end of it all, there stands this leader of your faith. says, it was all a lie. It was all a sham. Fooled you. 
And that's what Paul is telling the church. If there is no resurrection, then everything that we stand on, everything that we believe in, and the God that we declare, it's all a lie. How many of you say no? There's a resurrection. There's a resurrection. And he says in verse 15, For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. Look what he says. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. Why would Christ be raised if there is no resurrection? Verse 16, and if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, notice the emphasis. Notice how he's repeating himself. Then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Man. I read this text and I say, man, praise God that there is a resurrection because I don't stand before God guilty of sins anymore. My sins have been forgiven because I know that there's a resurrection and there's proof of resurrection. Well, what proof do you have? Well, we'll pierce into the lives of some believers and you will see that resurrection power is real. Not just because they confess it with their mouths, but because they live it with their lives. Come on. Come on. And that is resurrection power. Resurrection. You see, we need to understand why this resurrection is so important to the church of Corinth in Paul's day. To us in our day. And he just said it. And I don't know if you're of the house, if you're visiting, your family, we haven't seen you in a while, here it is. The resurrection is important. Because if Christ has not been raised, then his death did not pay for our sins. And then there is no hope for a life with God in heaven. If there's no resurrection. We're still sinners going to hell if there's no resurrection. How many of you could praise God that there's a resurrection? Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 4.25 says this. Paul writes this. Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And he has, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Isn't that a powerful scripture? There is a resurrection. He was handed over for our sins and he was raised to make us right with God. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep going through the scripture. I'm just going to jump into the next verse, verse 18. Follow with me. Paul says this next. In that case, if there is no resurrection, we're going to get to some good stuff in a moment, but watch this. All who have died believing in Christ are lost. Literally, in layman's terms, he's saying, what a waste. Can you imagine you live out your whole life, you die, and then once you die, you're like, oh man, this whole thing was not true. And I spent my whole time on earth living for a Christ that was not true. And that's what Paul is telling the church of Corinth. In that case, all who died believing in Jesus are lost. And verse 19, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in this world. Man, the mockery and the shame to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you got 
fooled and you felt for this Christianity stuff and you felt for this faith stuff and you felt for this Christ crucified and Christ resurrection stuff. Oh my gosh, you felt for it. Oh, you should be more pitied than anyone in this world. I love the next verse though because Paul's going to put an end to the nonsense. And in verse 20, he says, but in fact, everyone say, but in fact. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Everything that I've just said, yes, 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 if there is no resurrection, then blah, blah, blah. Everything stinks, everything is rotten, and everything is fake and false. But in fact, there is a resurrection. <laughs> That's good. This is good scripture here. This is, this is good stuff here because look what he says next. Christ has been raised from the dead and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. What do you mean? That through his resurrection, many more will now resurrect. Amen. That's awesome. There's a resurrection that, that comes from Christ and because it comes from Christ, we share that resurrection power with Jesus. That I know that the day that I die, the same person, the same God, the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead will also raise me from the dead. Well, who are you to say that? Who am I to say that? I live, you live, we live if we are in Christ in resurrection power. And that will raise the believer up. In fact, Christ has been raised. Can you say that? In fact, Christ has been raised. Verse 21, so you see. Just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Come on, man. Praise God for another man. For another man. For another man. One man came death. But through another man, the resurrection from that death came. And then he says in the next verse, 22, just as Everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. We all belong to that sin man. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. That's powerful. In Adam, we die. In Adam, there's sin. In Christ, there's newness. In Christ, there's resurrection. You know what? It makes sense in verse 20 for Paul to say this, but in fact, Christ has been raised. It makes sense for Paul to say that. You want to know why it makes sense for Paul to say, in fact, Christ has been raised? Because of the way he starts 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read verses 3 through 9. Listen to what Paul says. And if you could just follow with me, underline with me, highlight what an amazing part of scripture this is. Paul says this. I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Look what he says. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures have said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as scriptures have said. Now I want you to notice how many times he emphasizes he has, we have seen. Ready? Verse 5. He was seen by Peter and the twelve. Verse 6, and after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most who are still alive, though some have died. Verse 7, and then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Are you catching it? I'm not making this stuff up, Paul says. 
Christ was seen, he was seen, he was seen by 500, by 2, by 11, by 50. He was seen by many. And then in verse 8 he says, but last of all, as though I'd been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. He was seen by me. The resurrection is true. This, this stuff that we're talking about, it's, it's evidence is there. I saw it. They saw it. We saw it. Over 500 people saw it. You can't run away from this. Historians wrote about it. It's written in books. People are speaking about it. And then he says, I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle the way I persecuted Christ and his church. It makes sense for Paul to say in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has resurrected. Because of what he says in verses 3 through 9. Because Paul is declaring in this scripture here, he's declaring that we know, or better yet, he's declaring, I know for a fact that Jesus is not dead, but that Jesus is alive. I know that for a fact. And that's what Paul is saying. Well, why, Paul? Why do you say he's alive? Why do I say he's alive? Because I saw him. I saw him. Notice what Paul is saying here. I was a Pharisee against him, against his teachings. I was against his followers. I saw, was out to arrest and even kill those of the way of this Jesus of Nazareth. That's who I was, Paul said. And Paul is basically saying now, my life alone is proof that he is God and that he is risen. How else can you explain this change in me? That's what Paul is saying. Man. Some of you guys are like, Jesus, I just want to see you if you're really real. And Jesus is like, look at the person sitting next to you. Have a conversation with them and you will see my resurrection power. And you will see that I'm more alive today than ever before. I'm real. Talk to someone and you will see just by the change in them that I'm real. Sometimes we don't have to see it, guys. He doesn't have to stop us in a row like he did with Paul. We don't have to hear an audible voice. Glitter and gold and diamonds don't have to appear. I'm telling you today that some of the greatest evidences that Christ is alive and he is risen is some of the change that I see in this room in your life. Jesus is alive. His resurrection is still powerful today. And that's the truth. Some of you are evidence that he is alive. Some of you are saying, you're doubting if my Christ lives? You're doubting in the resurrection? Then how else can you explain this change in me? How many of you could say that today? Honestly, with proof and evidence that your Christ lives. How else can you explain this? You know, Billy Graham used to always say this. There is more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. You know, Billy Graham, I, I read that, 
And I could say he was definitely echoing the Apostle Paul here. There is too much evidence. Our Christ is risen because of the evidence that is before us. So I ask you this question. As you're here today, as we celebrate this resurrection, and as hopefully you encounter this resurrection, but maybe you're sitting here and you're like, "Uh, I believe in this stuff, then my question would be then, is there evidence in your life? Like seriously, come on, how else can you explain this change in me? Can you say that today? Is there so much evidence Is there too much evidence? Is there enough evidence? Is there whatever you want to call it? But is there evidence that Christ is risen just because of the work that he has done in you personally? How many of you could say, yes. I am proof that Christ is risen. How many of you could say that? I am am proof that there's a resurrection. Because he resurrected me. Though I'm alive, oh, I died. I died. I died to sin and I've been resurrected to new life in Christ. There is proof, there is evidence that Christ lives and resurrects in me. Man, that is so good. That is so uplifting. And that is so encouraging for the listener today. I'm not going to take too much longer, but in John chapter 11, it tells us of some good friends of Jesus. He has some very good friends, and their names were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Lazarus, the brother, he's very sick to the point of death. He's dying. And verse 5 actually shows us that Jesus really loved this family. He really loved Mary. He really loved Martha, and he definitely loved his buddy Lazarus. But what's interesting about John chapter 11 is that Jesus takes a while to get to where Lazarus is. It's, very, it's a very interesting story, and there's a reason why he does it. He's going to teach a lesson. He shows up to where Lazarus and his family, where they're at, some four days after Lazarus dies. Four days. doesn't make sense. Most of us, we find out someone's dying, we're running over there quickly. We're packing our bags, and we're going But he shows up four days later. You could just imagine the scene, right? The mourning, the cries, the yells, the stench of that dead body in the tomb already. I mean, things are not, it's not a pretty sight four days since Lazarus has been dead. That's for sure. So Jesus goes with his disciples and he steps into the scene. And as he steps into the scene, John 11, he's confronted with some very difficult, some hard questions. And not only that, some very bad attitudes. You've ever had a bad attitude towards God? No one in here? I have. I have. So, some of you right now have a bad attitude towards God. This, this message is right on time. And he's confronted with some bad attitudes. <clears throat> he's confronted with some serious questions. Okay, okay, let's just jump into the first one. Ready? Verse 21. So Martha comes to Jesus And she says, Lord, if only you had, there it is, pointing the finger, if only you had been here, my brother would not be dead. What is she really telling Jesus? It's all your what? Yeah, let's just be honest with it. He's dead because of you. 
Because if you would have been here when we first told you, but you took four days, he would still be alive today. Your fault, he is dead. <laughs> Relax, I just got here. Offer me some tea. <laughs> but I read verse 21, and I looked at this, and I write, man, what, huh? Because I, I see this, and then I ask this question to you because I asked it to me as I was preparing for this. But have you ever been here? You've ever been here where Martha's at? Lord, if only... You would have. I'm sure many of us in this room have been right here where Martha's at. If, if only you had, Lord. And in our lives, what do we do? Come on. I'm sure you've put a sickness, a blame of a sickness on the Lord. You probably put a blame on a, of a divorce on the Lord. You probably blame some sort of calamity, some sort of anything that you saw in the news. Well, Lord, if only you had on the Lord. Oh Lord, if only my spouse, if you had Lord. Well Lord, if only my child, if only my mother, if, only, if you had. And God's like, what? But, but while placing this fault on Jesus, do we still find our stuff? Do we still confess? But, but Lord, if only you, but I still know you could do whatever you want to do. How many of you have ever prayed like that? God, uh, I'm kind of mad at you, but I know that you could still do miracles. Anyone ever been there? What did that say about us? We're crazy. We're crazy people in our prayer life. Lord, you're at fault, but I know you can still do it. And God's like, so what am I? Am I like, am I the bad guy? Am I the good guy here? Well, you know what you are. And like, God's like, I'm confused. <laughs> you're mad or not? We're I'm not going to blame you guys. I'm going to be honest. I'm messed up. I am so messed up. Lord, you, but Lord, I know. And God's like, so do you believe more than you blame? I mean, I'm kind of here on the wire here. And we're some crazy, I'm a crazy person. We, we might be some crazy people here too. And verse 22 says, look, even I know that God will give you whatever you ask. What do you mean? You just blamed him in verse 21. <laughs> verse 23, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. I don't know if that was the right thing to say. It was obviously, but watch this, what she says next. Yes, Martha says. I know he's going to rise again when everyone else rises at the last day. What is she really saying? Martha is basically saying what? Yes, Lord, I know my doctrine. I know he's going to live again in eternity. I know what the Bible says. I get it. I know he's going to be taken up. I know all this stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Look at verse 25. So Jesus tells her, no, no, Martha, let me see how I can break this down to you. Ready? I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Do you get that? <laughs> well, Lord, you know, shh. In me, there's resurrection even when they die. What? And you could see how he's just shushing her up here real quick. And he says, everyone, verse 26, who lives in me and believes in me, they will never die. And then here it is. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, church? That anyone who lives in Christ and believes in him will never die? Come on. How many of you in here actually, really, seriously, 100% believe that you will never die, but that you're going to live forever? Like, seriously, how many of you really believe that with all of your breath, with all of your soul, with every beat that your heart makes? How many? I'll tell you what. We would see it the way you live your life here on earth if you believe that you will never die, that you will live forever. Oh, my God. Our lives are transformed. 
Shoot me, I live forever. Choke me, I live forever. Like, you can't kill me. This is just a trial because what really is to come is forever. And in that forever, there is no end to my life. So, so what is he telling Martha here? Here, he is introducing to her and to everyone that is present listening. He's basically telling them, I'm the resurrection. Listen, I'm, I'm about to close it up. The resurrection is not just an experience once you encounter when you die. But what is Jesus saying? I am the resurrection. In person standing before you, you can experience and you can encounter me, the resurrection, even before you die. That's why some of you today are more alive today than you were when you were even younger. Why? Because Christ has made you new. What do you mean? He, he, he's looking at Martha and everyone there and he's like, do you believe this? You see, the resurrection is not just the truth about when you die, then you are united with God in heaven. Don't get this twisted. Yes, that is our end goal. Yes, that is our prize. Yes, that's what our eyes are fixed on. I'm not saying that it's not. But the resurrection is also about now. How many of you could say amen? That which is dead now can actually be made alive again now. Maybe I could explain it to you this way. The greatest thing that could happen today is for someone who is dead in their sin to come to the knowledge of Christ, encounter the power of his resurrection, and live and experience a new life. That is the greatest thing that could happen to anyone today. You might say, well, it's not. Being healed from cancer is better. Being healed from a terminal disease is better. And I tell you today, it's not. The greatest sickness, the greatest disease that anyone the greatest thing that could ever happen is that someone who is dead today can be made alive in Christ Jesus. That they could experience resurrection as they live. That they could actually die on earth today to live on earth as it is in heaven forevermore. What, what, what did I just say? Did you catch what I just said to you? Because I love when Christ is praying and he's ushering in the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can experience that stuff while living in the midst of this stuff. That while I am decaying, I could experience life and resurrection power on earth. That because of the resurrection, that we can experience heaven on earth. And that is powerful. Verse 32 says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here. Now the sister puts in her two cents. You're going to blame me too? My brother would not be dead. So when Jesus sees her weeping and he saw the other people wailing, a deep anger welled up inside of him and he was deeply troubled. And verse 34, he says, where have you put Lazarus? And they said, Lord, come and see. And verse 35 says, then Jesus wept. And many of us look at that text and we, 
We misinterpret it, we misread it. Not for once do I believe Jesus was actually weeping because Lazarus was dead. I actually look at the scripture and I think that Jesus was weeping because of the crowd around him and their reaction towards him. Can I explain it to you? The people who were standing nearby says this in verse 36. See how much he loved him? That's not why he's crying. He's not crying because he loved him. Look at verse 37. Some of them said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? That's why he's crying. Because some of you have seen me do miraculous supernatural things. And yet today, you still don't believe me. What else do I have to do to prove to you that I am him? And he's weeping. He knows he's going to resurrect Lazarus. He's crying because of the lack of faith of the people that have already seen his supernatural work. But yet they're still denying his power while on earth. What a crowd. It sounds like us. It sounds like me at times. That I've seen Jesus' power. How many of you have seen Jesus' power in your life? But yet, there are other times where you just lack faith. Is Christ even here? And Jesus is like, are you serious? Son, daughter, mom, dad, uncle, aunt, grandparent. I'm more present in your situation than I've ever been before. Don't question whether I'm here. Don't question if I'm able. You need to come to understand that just like I was there before, don't ever lack faith. Don't ever doubt. Don't you stop thinking for once. I'm still present right here to still resurrect and do powerful things in that situation today. Why are you doubting me? I'm resurrection. I'm the life. That's what he's saying to the crowd. And we are here on this Easter service. And how many, maybe here, maybe outside this church still don't get it. But Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell is going to be terrible. And Jesus says, did I not tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? And that's our faith, church. We don't see so that we could believe. We believe and then we see. We live by a different set of rules than the rest of this world. We believe in faith, things that are not there as if they were there. And here's Jesus. And I believe that this is why Jesus wept. Not because of Mary. Not because of Martha's hurt. Not even because of his good friend Lazarus' dead. Look at verse 41, 2, and 43. Ready? They rolled the stone away. And Jesus looked up to heaven. And he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people here standing so that they will believe that you have sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. You know what I wrote down in my notes? I wrote this, ready? That's it. That's what I wrote. That's it. For the sake, he said, of all the people standing here. That's it. That's why he was crying. For the sake of the people standing. What does that mean? Christ's life was always about others. It was always about the people standing around. So that they could come to him. Church, his resurrection in our lives is so that others standing around.
around our lives could believe in Jesus. How many of you could say amen? His resurrection in your life is that those that do not believe, they could see in your life and come to believe in Him. End. I end with this. Encounter. Encounter His resurrection today. You know what Paul finishes off saying? Brothers and sisters, our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies, verse 50, cannot inherit what will last forever. Verse 51, but let me reveal to you what a wonderful secret. That we will not all die, but we will all be transformed, man. It'll happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. And the trumpet sounds, those who are dead will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture has been fulfilled when it says death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. I love verse 57. But thank God. That he gives us victory over sin and over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that I'm preaching to you today. That's it. Through Jesus. Everything that I'm preaching to you today. So my brothers and my sisters, everyone say this. Be strong. Be immovable. Work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. How many of you could say amen? Thank you, Lord, for this scripture. Thank you, Lord, for this text. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I end with this quote from John Piper. And I pray that this is true for you. Piper says this. The best news of the Christian gospel is that the supremely glorious creator of the universe has acted in Jesus Christ death and resurrection to remove every obstacle between us and himself so that we may find everlasting joy in seeing and savoring his infinite beauty Lord, in this room today, you know who we are. I pray that we would encounter this resurrection. I pray that our lives right now, every person here would just be transformed. Because of what you have done. Lord, I believe that all of this scripture that we've read, all of these points that we've made, that it will produce much fruit in our lives.
close off in prayer. Close your eyes and meditate on the Lord. Open up your heart right there where you're at. I don't want anyone to look at you and I don't want to make you a, a spectacle today. But if God has spoken to your heart and right there where you're at, where you're standing, you need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right there where you're standing, you need to ask for forgiveness for all of your sins. Maybe you were invited. Maybe you haven't been here for a while. But you've never accepted Jesus into your life. And today you need that resurrection in your life. You need forgiveness of your sins. And you need to be made alive in Jesus again. With every eye closed, don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. But if that's you right there, I want you to make that decision. Right there where you're standing. And I want you to say, Jesus, this message, it's me. I believe in you. confess my sins to you I ask you for forgiveness of all wrong and of all sin heal me Jesus come into my heart be my Lord be my Savior wash my sins Lord I want to live in eternity with you say that right there where you're at forgive me cleanse me resurrect me in your power give me new life in you Cause me to be a new creature in you, Jesus. Purify me. Pour out your grace over my life. Change me forever. Right there where you're standing, begin to confess that. Right there where you're at, just say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, heal me. Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. This is what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song one last time. And as we worship the Lord, right there where you're standing, make that decision between you and Jesus. I can't do it for you. If you want to lean on that person next to you, say, I'm making that decision. Pray with me. You can do that. And if you even want to come up here, you can. I'll pray with you right now right there where you're standing if you want to lift up your arms lift it if you want to lift up your voice lift it open up your hearts and say Lord forgive me and wash me and cleanse me sit in my heart sit in your throne in my heart change me forever forgive me write my name down in that book in heaven that I will be with you forever so let's worship him one time and confess that to the Lord right there in your heart